Hello there. Welcome, welcome back to episode three of the Sam I Am podcast with me, Sam White. That's right. Don't know how people feel about this intro I'm doing. We're going to roll with it. Try and get into some good habits. But you're very welcome back. Uh, Another episode, another guest. But before I introduce uh, my guest this week, I hope you enjoyed my chat with Joe Gorman last week. It was great to have him on. And I'm recording this on Tuesday the 1st of June. Boy did May fly by. And yes, at the end of last week's episode, myself and Joe gave our predictions for the Champions League final. And to no surprise, we were both wrong. But I think uh, I think a lot of people got it wrong. I don't think many people would have predicted Guardiola to pick a team without a defensive midfielder, so there's only so much you can predict. And while we didn't get the score prediction correct, I think myself and Joe made some good points about certain players that could make an impact. Joe spoke highly of the likes of Havertz, who in the end proved to be the match winner. Talked highly about Rudiger. I said that the performances of Kevin De Bruyne and N'Golo Kante would have a massive impact on the outcome of the game. And you saw that at the weekend. De Bruyne was not himself. And that was down to N'Golo Kante, who was just unbelievable. And to celebrate, I have a song for N'Golo Kante. N'Golo Kante, pa-la-la-la-la. N'Golo Kante, pa-la-la-la-la. Il est petit, il est gentil, il a stoppé le Man City. Mais tout ce qu'il sait, c'est un triché. N'Golo Kante. What a legend. But anyway, we move on. My guest this week is another good friend who was so kind to join me. I could say the same for every single person who's been willing to hop on and help me out as I begin the podcast. His name is Walker Shaw. I've known Walker for many years now. We went to school together. We grew up in the same part of beautiful northwest of Ireland. And yeah, we had a great chat, reminiscing about a number of things. Walker is a, an artist by trade, so we talked at length about uh, his passion for art and drawing and just creating things. And then we also took the time to look back on our most cherished memory together, Walker's first ever gig. So let's get into the chat. Please welcome to the Sam I Am podcast, Mr. Walker Shaw. Yes, here we are. I have another guest on the Sam I Am podcast today, and it's a good friend of mine uh, coming to you from Lissadell in County Sligo. We have Walker Shaw. Thank Hello. you for having me. Thank you. It's it's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> no, I appreciate you coming on, man. Um, really excited to have a chat with you about various things. Um, first of all, like I suppose, when was the last time I would have seen you? I think when we spoke on the phone we briefly discussed when I last saw you, which I think was nearly a year ago. Yeah, literally a year ago. I think it was down in Lissadell and we were camping. Uh, yeah. yeah, literally 
it's crazy that a year has flown by so quickly within the blink of an eye. Hmm. Yeah. Um, that was a great day though. What a great last day to like see each other pretty much, you know? Yeah. I remember, I remember you texting me asking to come down and I felt like I was 17 again. Uh, <laughs> there's a movie called 17 again, isn't there? Uh, Zac Efron, but yeah, anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, not like that, but, uh, yeah, I felt like I was in fifth year, summer of fifth year in school again. And during that summer, we would, there was just loads of camping parties for some reason that summer, all down at Lissadell. And uh, we would have been at most of them, I, I believe. But uh, I, I remember those camping parties. Yeah, like yeah. honestly, same as it was, it was cool to sort of like, you know, reignite that sort of uh, childhood, <laughs> not, not even childhood, you know, teenage, you know excitement again i suppose yeah. well Funny it's like it is, it is it's, it's seven it's seven years ago um yeah since we would have been uh, just before we would have done our leaving cert but uh that was a great that was a great night uh during the summer where things restrictions were lifted a wee bit and it was good to catch like to see you and see a few other, of the other lads from school because i'll be honest i've i've struggled to keep in touch with people from school and you're mm. probably you you and a couple of others are probably the only people that I've really I have really stayed in touch with and I guess that's why I'm doing this I'm doing this podcast because I want to not only chat to friends and family but maybe even reconnect with people I haven't talked to in ages yeah I, I think that's very admirable yeah that's the last time I would have seen you and we've we've stayed in touch uh, over the course uh, of that period where we haven't seen each other in person how do we know each other probably be a good place I, to maybe uh would be a good place to start um one question i have for you i, I didn't uh-huh. ask you this before do you remember yeah. when we first met you know i actually i'm terrible when it comes to these questions <laughs> but i don't really think so was it the tag rugby by any chance down <laughs> down at the um at the old school because yeah. we're neighbors for for those of uh for those of your listeners that don't know yeah, uh, we've been we've been neighbors since I moved out to the countryside, um, but we didn't really know each other too well until mm. secondary school. But I think it was the tag rugby. Um, and I was a big dumpy, like fat child, and you know, you know, getting all upset about you know not being able to run after people and people being able to tag me pretty easy. Yeah, I think it was then, was it? Yeah, exactly. Very you're, good. You're, you're correct. Well done. Um, um, <laughs> 10 points to Griffin. Though. Tag rugby. What a time. Uh, yeah, it was down at the old, at my primary school. I went to primary school in the area and you would have mm. gone to primary school in in town beside the grammar and uh, yeah. where we went to secondary school together. But uh, yeah, I remember, I remember, I think Shanley, I think your brother Shanley was there as well. Uh, yeah, he was. And I think we had, we had been, we had been back in Sligo for a few years at that stage and just moved to Sligo because not from Sligo originally, but I would have been just used to being around people from the area or people that I would have gone to school with. And then you guys rock up and you have American accents. And I was like, who are these guys? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man, I remember getting ripped the piss out of by this one older dude. What, I can't even remember who he was or what he looks yeah. like, but I just remember this one, this one older dude had it out for me. But yeah. Mm. Yeah, the American accent in the countryside was a bit of a throw for a lot of uh, a lot of kids. I guess that's why I've sort of stamped yeah. that shit down a little bit. But it's still <laughs> well, pretty prominent. 
yeah we would have yeah we would have met then and then we would have known each other uh would have known of each other but wouldn't have really uh gotten to know each other properly until i came to to the grammar uh i moved secondary school after junior cert and came to the grammar and we were in the same year and and that's when we started to really get to know each other. But then I, I always knew where you lived in, you live where you live. Uh, it's really funny. I had a friend in school who lived in your house before you guys did. So I would have always known that you were the people that moved into my, my old school pal's house. Which, we which is we quite stole their house. Still. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we, we stole the house. Yeah. yeah no, that yeah, is yeah. bizarre. It must mm. be funny for, uh, for you to come into the house and sort of have those memories mixed with like, you know, new memories of uh, of knowing me, and then also knowing what you knew with them back way back when. You know. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. Um, but uh, for those that don't know, um, you're not originally from. Well, so your dad, your dad's, your dad's from Sligo, obviously. My dad is Sligo. Yeah, my yeah. dad is Sligo, born and raised. But you were born in New York. Is that correct? I was. Yeah. My, my mom is first generation American. Uh, her mother is from Kilkenny and her dad is actually from Leitrim. So right. she is, yeah, she's actually Irish through and through. However, yeah. you know, they met up and they fell in love over in the States and they had a little baby girl named Ger- Geraldine Shaw. And um, <laughs> yeah, she lived her whole life over there. And my dad came over when he was about 23 for work he actually wanted to uh he wanted to raise enough money um in the states so he and his friends could go to australia to open up an adventure center um like big dreams okay so they were doing construction and yeah my mom and my dad met um sort of cliche of you know of a tale in an irish pub in eyes eyes met across the room yeah yeah they met (laughs) across the room Kind of. Well, actually, one of my dad's uh, friends, Kat, called mom. And oh. uh, <laughs> yeah. And then she turned around and she said, which one of you did that? And then they, they both pointed at each other like this, you know. <laughs> Spider-Man <laughs> meme. Yeah, exactly, exactly. The Spider-Man meme. So that's sort of how, uh, how they came to be. And from that, that's how I came to be. And my brother and my sister, too. Yeah. And then we moved back over here to Ireland. To Sligo, good old Sligo, when I was five years old. And you're five. So yeah, yeah, I would have been four. I would have been four when we moved to Sligo. And mm. my family don't really have any connections here. Um apart from one uh great uncle uh in my fa- in my family who who died last year. But um I'm we, sorry to hear that. Yeah, it's it's actually a year. It's like a year this week, uh that he passed away. He had Alzheimer's and but That's then tough. he got COVID in his nursing home, so that was really that was quite sad. Um, he was a great he was a great man. He went to he went to Summerhill and he he was a great football man. And he would be the only Sligo connection that we'd have in our in our family. Mm. Um, not a direct relative, but uh, my great aunt's husband. But uh, but yeah, I would have moved. We would have moved to Sligo when I was four uh, from Newcastle. Um, and yeah, and then my my whole family's pretty much from the north of Ireland so um we kind of similar in that sense but like your dad's from Sligo so you do have like that 
genuine connection to the place already, uh, even before moving back. But uh, yeah, so you're back. You're in Sligo at the moment, and I guess what I want to begin with is is your profession, which you are an artist. For those that don't know, and it's interesting the area we've both grown up in. Uh, we both grew we both grew up in Maharao beautiful beautiful area of Sligo and we talked about Lissadell which I think is the greatest beach in the world best place to swim in the world and um, in the area that we grew up in I don't know about you but uh, I feel like there's a there's quite a community of artists in the area we would have grown up in a lot of poets uh, writers artists uh, creatives yeah a lot of like a lot of my mom and dad's friends at home are creatives um they're they're all like a member of the ostana which is a like a community an organization or community of artists where they hold membership and then i have i have i have members of family members who are really successful artists so i'd have a bit of an eye for art but you've gone and and sort of, and you you've gone and made it your career and i'm i'm really interested to talk to you more about it because uh especially in the last year you've you've really uh, put put yourself out there more with your art. And uh, my first question would be, where where did your your obsession or passion for art begin, do you think? It's a, it's a funny one. Uh, I, I can stem it back to this one story, I suppose, where um, it was about Christmas time, and maybe it was about, I don't know, I want to say six. And my granddad... Um, you know, when we were back in Sligo, obviously, my granddad gave me a, a Christmas card that he drew. And I remember there was a, like a robin on the front of it. And it was just like a really simple line drawing of a robin. But he gave it to me. And, you know, and then he was like, look inside. And then there was like a little, you know, lovely writing and stuff like that. But I remember how proud he was of his little robin drawing. And I just thought it was really cool that, uh, you know, he, he found pride in like putting down a few marks to translate into an image, you know, and to give that as a gift. So like, I guess that's where my fascination with drawing sort of started. And then like throughout being, you know, throughout being a, a child, obviously my dad is a builder and he does construction and all that stuff. So I used to love I used to love stealing hammers and like, you know, hammering bits of wood, scrap bits of wood, um, making things. Uh, I used to have, (laughs) I used to actually have this book of like inventions, I suppose you can call them. Like they'd be not really inventions, but they'd be robots that could shoot, you know, web and they can also fly and they'd have a camera so you could spy on the neighbors and blah, blah, blah. Or like, you know, just silly things, trap doors of tree houses that I never actually made, but I would design, you know, I would draw the tree house and there'd be a trap door with this lever and all that sort of stuff. So I, I always liked, and I feel like with my mom and my dad sort of allowing me to be creative and draw and be a bit wacky, um, I guess it sort of flourished from that, you know? Um, and it just sort of... It kept going throughout throughout primary school. I always loved doing art class, and then secondary school art class was like my, it was pretty much like 
lunch or break you know i thought it was like it didn't feel like school to me at all it was like my favorite thing in the world to do and um yeah even as you know during school if they wanted if they wanted posters for like you know they you know miss o'donnell would do the um do irish week or like she'd do like a specific kind of mm. irish week she would always come to me for like you know can you draw up a little poster and of course i'd be like yeah i'd love to do that and then with with the with our deb's tickets you know i did that as well so i guess it was i didn't really know i wanted to be an artist but i always knew that this is sort of something i really loved to do and something that came naturally to me and pretty much the only thing i excelled at so i just love making stuff and i decided i wanted to keep making stuff so off I went to art college, NCAD. Yeah, um, but that's really nice, the story about your granda. And it sounds like he's the one, it's a really nice thing for your, your grandparent to give you that sort of initial, yeah, uh, that sort of initial experience of art and and maybe that realization that, oh, this is, mm. this is nice. I want to give this a go. So that's great. And, and then you talk about that you like to build things. So, I guess construction is an art in itself, so um, it all kind of ties in with each other. Um, Absolutely. And, and yeah, I remember. I remember the stuff you would have done in school uh, for various various weeks, like Jacques Magalaga. And did you help with the? We did a we did guys and dolls in in school. Did you help with the set for that? I know you're you're obviously in the musical. Did you did you help with stage design at all for that? Since since I was in since I was in the in the set not in the set since i was in the musical i actually wasn't allowed to um to mix the two you know and also after school i was doing all sorts of other extracurriculars you know as Mm. you know with circuit training and basketball and this that or the other x y and z that's what the grammar was great for you know all the things that you could do after yeah um there was plenty plenty of stuff to do Mm. Uh, yeah like i've been i've been teaching out here in schools and it's very different and I'm telling the students all about yeah. the extracurricular activities that I would have done. And I would have been in school until five or six some days doing, as you said, circuits or music or it's just, yeah. I was so, fit, I was, I was so, bu- so busy, such a busy childhood, uh, such a busy adolescence. Uh, and then, and then, and then you go into college and that's even busier. Um, but, uh, but yeah, when did you, when, when did you decide that you wanted to do it in college when when did that when did when did you make that decision yeah pretty much i remember going to the guidance counselor um for like an aptitude test and like the only thing that sort of the only feasible thing in her mind that she could put me into was a mechanical based practice of some sort she said that you know um be able to see things clearly in the head and i suppose that makes sense with you know i don't know if you can call it genetic but you know with my dad spatial reasoning is really good with him and the same with my mom you know she has her garden and she designs her gardens i suppose and interiors and stuff like that so they said that something along the lines of a mechanical career would be good for me um, which also would have made sense because it would tie in with the you know with it'd be a homage to the um what's it called the experiments notebook that that i had when i was a kid or the inventions notebook but i don't know i just i i decided that 
the thing that I wanted to do was make things that didn't need to be functional, you know? Mm. Um, so that's sort of where I went with that. I remember doing my portfolio during my leaving cert, which was a complete nightmare. Um, because I remember I had to spend my lunch breaks, like a lot of my lunch breaks, I don't know if you noticed during sixth year, I would spend in the art room doing my portfolio. And then after, and then after school, I'd spend about, I remember being so regimented. I, I had like two hours of doing portfolio and then I'd have three hours of study and then I'd have one hour of like, you know, bed, wash and sorry, not bed, um, wash, you know, dinner and then bed. <laughs> It was nuts, mm. but um, yeah, I, I've always, I've always liked making making images or making somebody think about something in a little bit of a different light, sort of mm. to get people to see things through my eyes or, you know, kind of get a, a different perspective going in their head about you know topics. Yeah, so, no, that's great. Sorry if um, I rambled there. No, 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 um, no. That's what it's all about. Um, and then, then you ended up going to NCAD. Big art college. I did indeed. Well known art college in Dublin, for those that don't know. And you were there for three years, three year course. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you did, a, did you do, was it fine art? I did fine art printmaking. So okay. um, it, when you go into the National College of Art and Design, Dublin, they split you up into fine art or design, um, those two schools of thinking. And um, design, you can get jobs in. And fine art, you can, it's very difficult to get jobs in. So mm. I, of course, I decided I wanted to do fine art. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I, I'm so glad I did, though. Um, and then I went into fine art printmaking because it was a process I've never learned before or never knew before. Um, I knew I didn't want to go to sculpture because I had carpentry background, you know, working with my father on construction sites since I was 16 during the summers. Um and I also knew I didn't really want to go into paint because I could, you know, I could hold up a paintbrush anyways. Mm-hmm. I'll say that. Um, but I didn't know anything about printmaking. So I was really excited to learn that process. Um, intaglio, silkscreen, you know, monoprinting, all that good stuff. And I knew there was more of a, um, a learning curve and I sort of accepted the challenge and I'm delighted I did. You know, I learned a little bit more about Photoshop and Illustrator than I would have if I had done painting, you know? So you went but for something, you went for something that was more, you were less familiar with, I guess, like you, yeah. you said that you were well equipped to use to actually painting and stuff, but you wanted to actually broaden your horizons a bit more, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'm sort of obsessed with figuring out how to do things, you know, different things or just knowing how to do them. So then, you know, one day you might be able to use it, uh, a, a maybe possibly a way that somebody else hasn't, you know, and combining a few different schools of thought together to make something that's sort of interesting. Yeah. And how do you reflect on your time at NCAD? I guess this is, if anyone may be listening that is considering going to our college, uh, yeah. how would you reflect on your time there? NCAD is great for the name. And it's a great community, great experience. You get, you know, welcomed with open arms. The facilities might not be as good as some of the other colleges around Ireland. I'll say that. However, I feel like the the thinking and the, um, how should I say, 
um, just a just a wealth of tutors and knowledge that you have in that college, and the sort of freedom to you know explore different ideas is you know zero to none. It's it's so good. Um, yeah, I really can't say anything too poorly about NCD mm-hmm. other than it might not be the shiniest college. It might not be, you know, the newest. Um, however, I've always liked knit and grit. You know, I've liked, I've, I've sort of, I pride myself on, on that. You know, my, my sister says my fashion sense is like hobo chic kind of, and I, I would have to agree with her on that one. Um, I, I like, I like being in it, you know, mm. I don't like being subject to it. Yeah. If that makes sense. So yeah, I loved it. It was great. I've always found, well, even in Trinity as well, when you when you go to Dublin, mm-hmm. everyone's so more accepting of people with different tastes or styles. And I think college yeah. really brings that out in people. They feel like they can really express themselves and really show their true self. And I think NCAD is a is a prime example of somewhere where you you do you you can be you can be who you want to be. Absolutely. And I've heard, I've heard Trinity is the exact same. So yeah, I feel like in that regard, our experiences were very similar and mm. very open and welcoming. Mm. And it's funny, we would have been in, yeah, we would have been in university at the same time, but I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have actually seen, I wouldn't have seen you a lot. I remember seeing you a couple of times in first year, but then I guess we would have just uh, been meeting a lot of new people yeah college is very overwhelming at times and and it kind of passes you by uh very quickly so i wouldn't have actually said i didn't actually see you a lot during during that time and yeah it is what it is but here we are now but uh it's funny it's funny uh it's funny looking back on that uh but uh uh one one thing i wanted to bring up uh which i which i remember you telling me i don't know when you told me this but uh you lived somewhere you lived in a house with a mate and he was really good friends of kevin kilban oh yeah okay (laughs) right i don't know i don't know if i could say this on the air but um yeah we can edit uh, it out i don't know what you're saying no 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 no. it's fun it's all fun and games uh in my third year of college um seeing as we have like you know a housing crisis in ireland and especially in dublin Mm. and you know astronomical astronomical you know, rent prices. I struggled to find a spot, you know, coming up to third year. Um, and yeah, I sort of was left with like no option other than uh, my mom's, my mom's uncle's mate, who is actually a manager for uh, the Irish football team. Um, so I, I, I lived with him. His name was Pat. He was very, very lovely to me. Um, we got on like a house on fire, lovely gent. Um, but yeah, he was good friends with Kevin Kilban and <laughs> Kevin actually, um, was supposedly thinking about taking the room up for a while. Um, but I, I snagged it from Kevin Kilban. Uh, nice. I, I remember, <laughs> I remember he would come to the house, the house like quite, quite often. And, um, I remember the first time meeting him and I, I kind of, here, Sam, you know me. I'm not big into soccer or football yeah. or you know whatever. I'm not. I'm not a big sports guy. And did I you know who he was? Coming. Did you know who he was? 
Oh, he yeah, because Pat Pat had briefed me. He said, right. "Here, Kevin Kevin Kilban is coming <laughs> to the house," and uh, he was like, "Isn't that cool?" I was like, "Ah, I I guess yeah." I was like, "Yeah, I suppose so." And uh, yeah, I remember I remember him coming into the living room and Pat saying, "All right, Kevin, uh, I'll put on the kettle for you." And then Kevin coming up to me and saying, uh, "How are you there, mate? My name's Kevin uh, Kevin Kilban." I was like. Great. My name's Walker. Walker Shaw. And I went back to watching my TV. Um, uh, he was he was kind of baffled that I I didn't really give a shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. Honestly, your hands up. Kevin is a is a lovely guy. I must yeah. say. I have to say it. But yeah, it was just a funny experience, you know. Yeah. Oh no! Yeah, I, I, that's so funny. And yeah, yeah. I think it's good. And I think I think uh, people in the public eye kind of like when. People don't know him, and maybe that's why he was a bit baffled because people would know him as a very successful, he had a very successful career as a professional, played many times for Ireland. But yeah. you didn't, you you didn't know that, and that's that's okay. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm sure he kind of, I'm sure he would have uh, had a, a bit of respect for that. And since then, he's he's a, I know he's a, I know he's a married man now of kids. Um, he's a presenter, he does, isn't he? He's, he's still presenting. Yeah, he does a lot of punditry, and he he was on Dancing with the Stars, which is or Dancing on Ice, which is how he met his his wife. And that's good. So he doesn't he doesn't need that room in that house anymore. <laughs> no, no. You finished your degree, and then when did yeah. you move to New York? Was it at, straight after the degree, or did you wait a so wait the first a few time? The first time I went to New York, I only went for three months and I decided I just wanted to go by myself and see if I could do it. And yeah, I bought a plane ticket one way and I went over there. Um, I stayed on my dad's friend's couch for maybe <laughs> for maybe a month. And then, yeah, I just couch surfed from there on and I was doing construction work. Mm. And then I was staying with my mom's friends for a little bit. I remember staying in like a basement for like for two weeks or something like very New York. And it was the boiler room. It was the boiler room, and it was New York summer heat and humidity, <laughs> and it was ridiculous. It was like I don't know. I want to say thirty-seven degrees um, during the day, and then it dropped to thirty degrees at night. And I remember there was no AC in this boiler room bedroom, mm. and I remember having to strip off completely naked. Sweating my balls off, uh, no covers on me. I remember there was a tiny, tiny little fan. And I remember hugging the fan and falling asleep in like cold sweat in order oh. to try to. But yeah, times were rough. But I, I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't trade that for the world. That was that the rem- first time. That was the first time I went over to the states. Yeah, that and then reminds I came me. Back. That reminds yeah. me of. Uh, I don't. Have you seen the Queen's Gambit? Yes, of course I have. Yeah, so great do you show. Know, do you know the the character who was in? I can't remember the actor's name, but he's in Nanny McPhee. And yes, yeah, yeah, and he I know lives, exactly. He lives. He, that reminds me of where he lived in the show. He lives in like a basement in New York. Man, that place is nicer than my place. <laughs> Jesus, I would have taken that place in a heartbeat. Um, I know, but it's all. I know. Looking back on these little stories, I'm really going to appreciate them. You know, yeah, like, I, I love those sort of things. You know, I've shared an attic and I've I've lived in a basement and you know couches. Oh, you wouldn't believe the amount of couches, but uh, mm. yeah, no, all fun and games, you know. Yeah, and then when did you? And then so you then eventually tried to make the big move over to New York, and 
for those that don't know, New York is a really expensive yeah. place to live, and you you need to uh, you need to have a pretty good salary to survive in a city like New York. Um, and if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. You know, very true, very <laughs> true. I went for the um, for the safe option, I suppose, and uh, I became a server slash bartender. Yeah. Which you know, great tips over there. Amazing tips, actually. In mm. some in some cases, Insane. like some people were making more money, you know, being a server or a barman than they than they would have been a nurse. You know, mm. crazy. And would you? And what about? And what about? So you would have been working there, and then in terms of art, I remember when you came mm-hmm. back. So you obviously came back to Sligo during the pandemic because it was really bad in New York at yeah. the start. You told me that you had a few. You were disappointed because you had a few uh, pros- pros- prospects for for art in New York coming up that were yeah. then, that that you then lost as a result of the pandemic. But before that, even what was yeah. you obviously would have gone over to New York to work and then try and pursue art a bit. Um, so maybe tell me a bit about that. My plan was to go over with some friends and uh, find an apartment, find a job to make a bit of money get comfortable and then really try to pursue this thing you know what i mean i wanted yeah exactly i i was in it for the long game you know i i kind of i kind of expected to be staying there i it's funny that i'm here now um Mm. back in back in my my parents house you know at the age of ripe old age of 24 (laughs) but yeah it sort of had to happen as you said when um when COVID hit in new york and Cuomo was, you know, Cuomo was trying to settle everything down and, you know, really try to put a lid on it. Mm. Um, like, I I had no health insurance over there, Sam, oh. at all. Um, but like, so if I got if I got sick, like, you know, I remember going to I remember going to the doctors like for I had a cyst on my leg. Um, mm. Like, I never really get those, but I had one. I remember it cost me like a hundred bucks for him to see me the first time and then come back, you know, so um, if, well, because yeah, it's ridiculous. Oh, they're criminal over there for, uh, you know, medical insurance or life insurance. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I just sort of made the decision that um, being, being in the States at that point during the pandemic, having my family being worried um me like going on welfare you know their equivalent of the dole pretty much not being able to make ends meet mm. um it was just there was no other option for me oh and also i had broken up with my girlfriend in california like the week yeah, before as well that. so literally like my work and, and i lost my job because of the pandemic so you know my world was sort of crashing down in a fast way so mm. i decided I decided to dip and I always said if I ever wanted to go back, you know, I can always go back. I have the I have the citizenship, I have the passport. It's not, you know, it's not the end of the world. Come come and go as my as I please, you know. Yeah, that's a great so. that's a great that's a really good attitude to have and like yeah, it sounds you and so many others have been affected by this in a in a huge way, but um and as you said, you can always go back hopefully someday you can go back and and uh kick off where you yeah. left off um and so you've been at home for over a year back home for over a year at the stage and and oh, i remember coming to i remember coming to see you 
uh, in the first couple of months and uh, you weren't in, I don't think you were entitled to any employment benefits or anything and you might have been no, I wasn't. unsure of what, what the future looked like. But uh, looking, seeing where you are now, has the pandemic been, I think the pandemic may have been a, a blessing for you in a way because you've really kicked on with your art and and you're working on a variety of projects. So I don't know if you want to talk about that and maybe your social yeah. media presence and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, man, absolutely. Thank you for bringing that up. Um, as I said, uh, in New York, my my game was to relax and then, you know, take, take all the time in the world to get the art career going, um, you know, go to galleries, show my work, make work, find a studio, you know, for, for the, for the snowball to start rolling. Uh, so then when that was cut short and I was, I came back here, um, I was sort of left with my hands up in the air, like, you know, saying, well, there goes, there goes some, uh, invested time down the train. But then, as you said, I feel like it was actually the best thing for me to come back home because after a while, then when the lockdown like sort of got, you know, extended and more and more, uh, I got back into work and I had, as you said, I had a few prospects coming up, which was, that's why it was heartbreaking in the States. I had a mural coming up for this doctor. He wanted his, his college mascot, um, painted on his garage, which I thought was pretty cool because it was a big pirate and that would have been sick. Mm. Um, <laughs> and then I just had like, I had window painting gigs going on over there, sign painting gigs. So the ball was starting to roll, but then when it came back here, the ball stopped rolling. So I guess I, I did what I always do. And I just started working on artwork again. You know, I started off making portraits just to sort of get my hand back into it or have a bit of fun. Uh, get a little bit loose with it and then I visited a project that I had always intended on pursuing when I was over there um, so that's sort of what this year has been for me now I've been um, I've been delving into sort of cultural identity of being Irish or Irishness and sort of taking taking the uh, perspective of being an Irish person over in the States and for them to, you know, stereotype and to assume that you're a drunk or a messer or a scallywag or whatever, what have you. Um, and then sort of bring, bring back over the issue of sort of alcoholism or patriotic duty in relation to alcoholism, because mm. over there, uh, if you're an alcoholic, you could be drinking once a day, you know, just once a day, and people yep. would consider that alcoholism. Whereas over here, if you are an alcoholic, uh, that's almost like a badge of honor, you know. It's uh, it's tough to become an alcoholic over here. Mm. Um, you have to be you have to be drinking straight liquor, you know, from eight eight in the morning to late eight in the evening, or you know, and you have to be passed out in the ditch most nights and yep. this that or the other. So. That's why I kind of wanted to bring back that topic from, you know, from being over there mm. because it's sort of really, it, you know, it had the, what's the way I'm looking to say this? It just became very obvious, you know, how we sort of reinforce our own stereotype, you know, 
it's kind of like a, a guilt thing. I guess it can tie back into the famine or, you know, yeah. immigrating or like, you know, depression in Irish society. So, yeah, I really, I've really, the last year, I've taken a big bite out of that subject matter that I've always wanted to. And it's been great, you know. Um, I started getting employment benefit, you know, unemployment benefits again. Uh, when I was over here and then I started working again doing construction um, and that's also helped my practice too um, so yeah this was actually the biggest blessing in disguise I've had like you know the best the best time you know reigniting you know family relationships as well and yeah and seeing old friends like you you know like when i was in the states i didn't get to talk to any any of you guys so yeah you know i guess life i guess life gets in the way sometimes you know the same as it did when we were in college yeah yeah but uh no i've been really i've i'm been really enjoying your what you've been putting out uh, for everyone to see on on your instagram and using that platform to showcase your work um the stuff you're doing with the can which it's really, really interesting and a unique style that I've never, well, I've never seen it before. Maybe you can tell me a bit more about 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 that because that seems to be your main style at the moment. The whole yes. beamer and the can. Absolutely. Well, you know, on the topic of sort of alcoholism and yeah. patriotic duty and cultural identity in Ireland, uh, I feel like the can is sort of the new symbol of binge drinking and for mm-hmm. it to be you know, for it to be an empty, hollow form, you know, crushed and contorted and twisted. And, you know, I just think the image of it, the object of it is like very intriguing to me. And I feel like it just sort of says it all in the one image. So I've been trying to, I've been trying to see them in different lights, you know, incorporate them in different ways. Um, have different titles on them that might relate to different feelings or notions of, you know, sort of being on the tear, you know, sort of youth culture in Ireland. And yeah, um, I like, I have a specific color palette that I've chosen that sort of, it looks like anatomical colors, sort of, um, like there's purple, there's blue, like veins, you know, this stuff runs through your veins. And also there's, you know, sort of, a cream color and a red color, you know, so that can also be blood or skin or sinew or bone or that Mm. sort of stuff, you know? So those are the colors and that's why I chose, chose them specifically. And also it's great to hear other people having their own perception of like, you know, the colors or what it means, or like some people look at it and they say, Oh, this is about like depression, obviously, or like suicidal thoughts or, some people say no it's about litter you know it's it's an environmental thing other people say like oh no it's more like it's more just emotional and this that and the other some people look at the the color palette and they say it reminds me of fire you know Mm. which is also cool something i would never like i never would have thought of you know sort of like you know the thing that keeps you warm but can also burn you pretty quickly um it's great to hear all these different interpretations about the work and uh yeah i've just been trying to upscale and you know make it better and better each time and that sort of challenge always you know always excites me and that's why i love doing what i do 
and with the Instagram, I love people seeing the stuff and interacting with me through DMs and comments and interacting on my stories. I, I like the I like the fact that in this pandemic where you can't exhibit work properly, you can still put it online and that still serves as a sort of purpose of exhibiting. Um, yeah, Instagram has been great during the pandemic mm. um, and it's only going to get better. I, I hope to keep putting out stuff and pushing the envelope and yeah, more things to come. So yeah. And then you've got your studio space, which is that a, is that a build an old building that's just in your back garden? Yeah. I mean, Sam, do you remember, uh, do you remember that old, that old house beside the church? Yeah. 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 that, That was, um, that's my family that's my family home that's where my grandmother grew up mm-hmm. with her her you know eight brother and sisters i mean yeah. she was one of eight i should say there were four brothers four sisters mm-hmm. but um yeah so when my when my great uncle died he left left that to us so mm-hmm. we've been redoing that he started on the barn because it's an old barn and it was when was it made I think it was made in 1911. I think there's like an inscription and um, yeah, it was just going into ruins. So he decided to, you know, renovate it, put a roof on it, all that good stuff, make sure it lasts another few hundred years or at least 50 years. We'll see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Knowing our construction skills, uh, I'm only joking, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, I, that has been a very exciting project for me personally, because I've been making that into my studio space i've invested a lot of time and a lot of money into it so far um we want to make it off the grid and i want it to be a really functional space not just for me but for like others to hopefully utilize in the future as well Mm -hmm. you know and it's been good to uh put some creative juices into an actual space as well as as well as just canvas you know, it's always exciting to me. Yeah, it's really, that's, that's really interesting the way you say that it could be a functional space for not just you, but other creatives. Because we, in Sligo, yeah. we have great institutes like the model uh, and whatnot. Uh, especially where we live, there's a few community hubs, but it's probably lacking in that sort of space where people not enough. come together. Not enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's, yeah, that, when you think about that like that, that's really exciting. And then even in the last couple of days, I saw that it was really cool. The hot seat. What's what's people if people go onto Walker's Instagram, <laughs> they'll see this. I thought that was really. I saw the chair initially, and then and then I thought the background was really cool with hot seat written on it. So can you yeah. tell us anything so, about that? What's what's going on there? I, absolutely. Um, I just love I love taking something that is almost going under, you know, um, and then bringing it back to life. So I, I, we got these chairs that were rusting away. It, like, you know, I can't remember if they were in a ditch or if they were like under a tree. So I just restored that chair and I just sort of liked the, the look of it. And with the, with the wall in the studio space, I, I made two movable pallet walls. So the idea was to have two walls that can act as an easel um, pretty much to paint on, but you can also move them around the space and then you could turn them around and then you would have a white background for one of them and then you would have 
a matte black background for the other you know so this is this is sort of thinking this is going back into making it a creative hub slash space possibly even for photography work you know you have lovely neutral background colors to like you know a, a photo shoot or um even products or paintings what have you all this sort of stuff it, like even a podcast or an interview the mm -hmm. hot seat would yeah, be a beautiful backdrop yeah. you know for mm -hmm. possibly a youtube thing which might mm -hmm. be coming into the mix you never know um yeah. but yeah and also i, I like things being multifunct functional too you know so that also acts as a blackboard and i can't wait to you know be a mad professor and you know start scrawling like in a beautiful mind and go crazy like in a beautiful mind too in a in my own recluse zen <laughs> barn i suppose but yeah that that's what it's about yeah but no it's so many so many things going on it's great to it's great to hear and it's great to hear you speak so passionately about it all Let's talk about something a little different. Uh, sure. And segue back to the summer of 2014, which we spoke about briefly earlier. And I, I think yes. this is probably this is probably when you were maybe really considering art as a as a career because you were in Dublin doing a an intensive summer course. Was it in Was that in NCAD? Yes, that was in NCAD. That was really yeah. good. A little portfolio yeah. course for a few weeks. Mm. So that's maybe that's where it was also to, so your eyes were opening up to the whole art art world and and what that could uh what that could look for you uh, further down the line as a career but the reason i bring that summer mm. up is because i visited you at one point during that summer and we had which is a very cherished memory that i have with you and we went to a certain gig together that summer and it was your first gig did you tell me that on the phone this was your first gig My that first... you ever went to my first ever gig yeah wow, wow. and i had i had a hot date to go with me mr <laughs> samwise <laughs> oh it was yes. great yeah Did, so we'll, we'll yeah. before i reveal what it was uh i've been to i i'm quite lucky as a kid i went to a couple of festivals with my parents and i think the first proper gig i went to as a as a independent or just with my mates was uh in dublin went to mgmt few people from Ooh. school and uh which was like going to dublin was still such like a, a big thing it was like oh my god we're going to dublin uh big city <laughs> like so so different to sligo and baptism of fire um we'll we'll stop uh the suspense uh so the gig that we me and walker went to seven years ago this summer was uh of course kanye west in marley park <laughs> in 2014 and mr yay yeah uh i think this is the first time i've spoken about kanye west uh only a couple of episodes in and i'm already talking about him so it was only a matter of time man <laughs> yeah so like i am a massive kanye west fan i don't think i'm the biggest kanye west fan but he's my favorite artist of all time as a artist with in terms of a body of work he is my favorite artist of all time i've grown up with his music i worship him and i empathize with him i sympathize with him he has this his, his the quote that sums up kanye west the best is he said in an interview that if you're a fan of kanye west you're not a fan of me you're a fan of yourself 
I'm just the espresso shot that gets you going in the morning. <laughs> Oof. It's a very inspiring oh, stuff. Um, I've never come across any artist or anyone in the public eye with so much self-belief as he as he has. Um, sometimes he goes over he goes a bit overboard, but I always think his heart's in the right place. And uh, and even in the last couple of months I've been falling in love with the music all over again increasing my understanding of him the person the journey the albums his evolution listen to various podcast interviews reading articles uh watching i was watching his glastonbury performance over the last couple of weeks and he played coachella and and then also all of the he has all this music that he never released it's just it's on it's all on if you go onto youtube there's all these like unreleased kanye albums and it's uh, even his unreleased stuff is phenomenal. Um, so, yeah, that's my first Kanye spiel on the show. But uh, and for you, Walker, that was such uh, a great gig. <laughs> yeah, like for you, I know. I, I think one of the reasons I asked you to go because I know you, you're a massive fan of rap music, like me. And yeah. I think I asked you and uh, one of our other friends, uh, Brannon. Brannon couldn't go, so. It was just going to be me and you. And I remember a few girls from school actually ended up going, but you were the person I asked to go. And you would be a fan of Kanye as well, of course. Oh, absolutely, man. I love Kanye. Mm-hmm. I mean, here, look, you could say what you want about Mr. Yeezus, mm-hmm. but he's a genius at the end of the day. Look, yeah. sometimes you have to detach the, you know, the art from the artist. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes you shouldn't. Like, but in this case... He he has sonically revolutionized hip hop, with yeah. even just you know way back when with 808s and heartbreak, heartbreaks. You know, mm. he he made he's the cornerstone of modern rap, and whoever denies that sort of doesn't know their history at all. Mm. No, I agree. I agree. And when he started off with the college dropout and this chipmunk soul, and yeah, how he's evolved from there with 808s, and then. Uh, my beautiful Dark Twist of Fantasy, which oh, is one of so the greatest good. albums, regarded as one of the greatest albums of the 21st century. Like, uh, like I could go, I could talk, I could talk for hours about Kanye West. But let's talk about let's talk about the gig. Um, mm. And who were the who were the two um, others that were there? I can't remember. Oh, there was an Irish band that were. He had two supports. He had this one mm-hmm. Irish band who are no longer together. Um, I'm, I'm actually going to Google them. Oh, original Rude Boys. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> so it was that. in Marley Park, and he'd never played. He's played like he's played in Ireland many times, um, but uh, this would have been the first time where I would have been old enough anyway to be, I guess, allowed to go to a gig like that. He would have mainly done gigs in the in the Point or the Three Arena, whatever whatever you want to call it. Uh, for most of he would have toured most of his albums in Ireland and this gig he was being supported by the original Rude Boys who are no longer together anymore but we didn't get to see them but we showed up I remember we showed up really early classic <laughs> I remember too there was nobody didn't, there <laughs> classic yeah we hadn't been to many gigs and we were like oh I have to get there early but we wanted to get there early we wanted to get there early because Pharrell was supporting as well and Pharrell would have been at yeah really at his peak uh, that year with uh, releasing doing stuff with Daft Punk and Happy would have been out. But the reason I, I was desperate to see Kanye, Kanye West live is because I had missed his last Irish gig 
because I was doing my bloody junior search and you would have been as well. Right, yeah. I remember him and Jay-Z played in the Point or the Three Arena in 2012 Ooh. for their Watch um, the Throne tour. Fuck. It is said to be one of it's said to be one of the greatest Irish concerts oh. of all time. Oh man! And I, I was trying to watch a bit of footage of it yesterday. It looked insane. Just uh, two two guys at the top of their game. So Shouldn't be allowed. Good. Yeah, it's pretty good <laughs> to miss that one. I think I know a couple of people that went. So if anyone's listening mm. that was at that gig, give me a shout, and I'll have you on to talk about because uh, make make me really jealous. So I wasn't going to miss the next one. I was I was determined to see him and I'm so glad we did because yeah he hasn't gigged in Ireland since um so remember you took forever to come on stage yeah there's many moments to there's many moments to reflect on um but yeah go go ahead uh, I guess uh what do you remember from the gig I remember him going on stage and he was wearing that um uh that you know, shiny, the shiny balaclava, I suppose, is the yeah, best yeah. way to describe it. You, you know, you, everybody knows that look anyways. Mm-hmm. I remember him coming on and then, like, spending, I don't know, two minutes on stage and then running back out. And then us waiting for ages after that again, too. Yeah. I don't I can't remember what, I don't know if he, the crowd, like, he was trying to get the crowd hyped and the crowd wasn't delivering or something. Yeah. I can't remember. He loves yeah. to wing it. Like if you watch his live performances, sometimes things do go wrong, and he uh, <laughs> it's, it can be very random and and stressful at times. Because yeah, as you said, he was wearing this mask, which I think he would have worn a lot during this tour, maybe portraying this Yeezus character, which was so prominent yeah. in that album, which was very politically driven, very angry, opinionated, very fuck the system because he was trying to make yeah. it in the fashion world and 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 having a lot of issues there and but also still showing a lot of vulnerability in the album but yeah he wore this mask for like the first half an hour of the show and i think everyone around us was like is that i just want him to take it off just to make sure that's actually him <laughs> yeah, yeah i remember yeah we were like that's definitely not him yeah, yeah, yeah. why would he come here <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah i remember <laughs> but you could tell, oh, i, I think funny. you could tell by the way he was dressed that it, it was him if it wasn't that would have been it was him endless. yeah it definitely uh, it definitely was him yeah <laughs> but one of the scary one of the most stressful got duped. Moments, i don't know i'm joking <laughs> one of the most stressful moments of that gig was i think you kind of said it there but he ran off stage and i thought oh my god what's happened i thought he was really angry i think he might have thrown his mic away or thrown he threw it through a little bit of a strop <laughs> and he ran off stage and, and i was like oh my god he's not gonna come back on uh so i was about to burst into tears there yeah i remember <laughs> um, <laughs> that was sad but, uh, he, that was he did come though. back he did come back on and uh god uh yeah mo- other moments uh I don't know if you. I so I was watching videos from this gig on YouTube last night. They're not the best quality, right. but I was trying to remember. I remember cer- there's certain moments that really stand out, but I I wanted to get it. I wanted to take myself there, kind of uh, take myself there again. Um, and I I was listening to another podcast uh, where they they brought it up briefly, and they brought up this famous quote from the gig, which I'd kind of wiped from my memory. I think it was during all of the lights which was one of his last songs in the night and he just i don't yeah. know where he was 
That he was, was he did interact with the crowd. He did interact with the crowd a good bit. Uh, but he he said, uh, "I want you to remember this night for the rest of of your life. I want you to I want you to tell your grandkids about the night you saw Jesus in a field." <laughs> oh man. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I had I hadn't started drinking or anything, so I was going to this gig like completely sober and Yeah. I think I got a beer, didn't I? I think you might have. I'm not I'm not sure. But uh yeah, no 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 alcohol. I would have loved to I'd I'd love to have <laughs> I'd love to have had a bit of alcohol at that because it would have it would have added. Ah, sure, to it. Look, we were we were still you we were still young. You we were still young exactly. and you know, naked. We we didn't know what to do with ourselves. <laughs> I don't think the gig really it wouldn't have been one of his best. Uh seeing him there seeing him was enough for me but uh i remember afterwards i read a couple of articles and i saw some footage and it didn't actually sell that well uh there was a few gigs in marley park that year there's arctic monkeys played and arcade fire and those like really they sold way better than his i think it was nearly half full uh yeah i remember it not being packed yeah we were right up we were right up the front so it was really crowded where we were, but uh, yeah, uh, back behind uh, maybe the sound, uh, the one of the towers. It was yeah, it was it was nowhere near full, and maybe that was due to maybe his public his media portrayal at the time, and he had just married Kim, and the album oh, yeah. the album did divide public opinion. Um, but uh, so I think it would have been I I, I would have loved I think it would have been way better in the three arena, in my opinion. Mm. Yeah, there wasn't much production right. value. It was quite dark the stage, and he had this screen behind him, which worked when it when it when the sunset. It, it worked so much better, and the screen really came to life. And he was just yeah, shadowing the that. screen. It was really cool. I'll run through the set list here. So he starts with Black Skinhead, which I remember. Ugh. I'll never forget that because what a song! Like, no, there's no what other song tune. like it. You know it as soon as it comes on. And he, I've seen him. I've watched him sing it it a few times live yeah place went nuts obviously and he comes out and he just screams his head off and it's an echo reverb and it's just goosebumps straight away um with that song with this album there's a lot of like protest songs like dealing with a lot of politically driven topics and racism and stuff and black skinhead's one of those especially uh he's trying to portray how he how he felt about the fashion industry so black skinhead then it went into on site also from Jesus. And then mm-hmm. he went into a few songs, which I know now with spot everyone having Spotify and stuff, but I would have only had all the albums. I wouldn't have maybe paid much attention to certain singles. So he did this yeah. song, I Don't Like, which I'd never heard before until I went to that gig. And then he did Mercy, Cold and Click, which are singles. Or they yeah. were on that uh, compilations album, uh, Cruel Summer. I remember not knowing any of those. Yeah at all yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. but they're I was back. kind of confused I, I i've like i know them very well now and they're they're great tunes and i yeah i i felt i know click of, now yeah i felt like i wasn't as big a can us fan as everyone else because everyone was singing click 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 and yeah I was, like, yeah trying to in my mouth, in. fucking like, click yeah. click <laughs> click click yeah i remember yeah I, I felt embarrassed because there were so many people who knew all of the words you yeah, know yeah, yeah. uh but I, yeah I, it was it was cool though it was still really cool because he was the first, apart from maybe Eminem, he was the first rapper where I was like trying to learn all the words to the songs. Yeah. So, yeah. And then after Click, he went, Can't Tell Me Nothing, Banger, Deadly, New Slaves, Deadly. 
Yeah, Slaves deadly as well. Phenomenal. Uh, power, stronger, N-words in Paris, I'll say. <laughs> yeah, all um, bangers. All yeah. bangers. Hold my liquor, run away. Oh, Runaway is, I think, I think I've learned recently that I think Runaway is his greatest song. Runaway, I was about to say, Runaway is a masterpiece, and mm. I, I don't think he'll be able to top it. It's yeah. so amazing. Yeah, very uh, emotional uh, song, even when I listen to it now. Run This Town, uh, Diamonds from Sierra Leone, Heartless, My Jam, um, Jesus Walks. He finished with All Falls Down, which... I remember when that came on, you went, you were like, on the life. When all falls down. Which would have been his second single, his second second song anyone would have ever really heard from him. And then Touch yeah. the Sky. Uh, and then it would have been the encore of All of the Lights, Good Life, Bound to, and Finish with Blood on the Leaves. That's nuts. I. I... Again, I know I was there, but geez, even listening to the amount of material he went through, mm. that's so impressive for a performer to get through all, you know. Yeah. That's amazing. And all of those were like phenomenal. I, I remember being blown away. Like after after those first four that I didn't know, you know, mm. and then he just started producing all all these gems. Yeah. Um, yeah, amazing. Amazing. And there's so many songs that he would he's always had to maybe leave out of set lists especially mm. especially by then he would have had he's he's had how many albums uh six or seven albums at that stage and he's yeah. gonna, and he would have had to start leaving out songs and he left like he didn't do gold digger and yeah. the other funny moment from that night is once we got on the bus hadn't leaving marley park the song came on the radio so i think everyone was happy i don't really mind too much that he didn't he didn't play it yeah well do you remember I, I remember there were like two people in front of us and then we were we briefly chatted to them and they were saying oh we're raging that we didn't get to hear gold digger and then they were like that shit that's his only good song you know like we were like what are you talking about his only good song but then on the radio i, I don't know if it was like uh what was it 2fm or iRadio or something yeah. the presenter actually went they he said uh and now for the people coming back from the Mar- Marley Park concert, Kanye West extravaganza, <laughs> here's Gold Digger. <laughs> you know? And then I remember the bus actually did erupt into flames then. But uh, yeah. it, was, it was cool. And I didn't mm. really mind missing Gold Digger off of the, uh, off of the set list either. But that was kind of a, a cool moment nonetheless. Yeah, it's his most famous song, but it's not his best song, in my opinion. No, it's definitely not. Definitely not. But um, no. yeah, the, but the songs that stand out for me from that night were the first song, Black Skinhead, All Falls Down, and and then I Just Have Blood on the Leaves is always the one that st- sticks in my memory. Very, like, I still listen to that now, and it's very poignant, and he uses a very important song as a sample, which I don't think any other artist would would have the balls to use strange fruits is a sensible song and yeah people have right actually people's opinions quite split on that like a lot of the songs in that use this album but i've heard people speak about about it and they say that he gives it a new lease of life which i agree with and for me it might sound ignorant of me but i had never heard strange fruits until he used it in that song 
Um, I mean, I didn't, I didn't either. I didn't. The either. beautiful voice of uh, I think it's Billy Holiday, and I know Nina Simone yeah. sang as well. But um, like yeah, very, he had a lot of like he had a lot of protest songs on that album, but that is the ultimate protest song for the fight against racism, and it's still prominent today. And which justifies maybe why he would have. He knew exactly what he was doing when he was using a sample like that. Oh, you have to like people have to recognize that he's he's an intelligent man. He know, he knows exactly what he's doing. Yeah. When he does these, when he does the things that he does, you mm. know, he knows exactly um, what he's doing. My favorite moment was probably in that song as well when it's about the, the it's about the drops coming. And yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't, uh, don't, 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 yeah, don't. yeah. The, the horns are <laughs> yeah, about, so those good. amazing horns are about to come in, and just before they come in, he's like, Dublin, and let's get all of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was uh, dope. And again, <laughs> it, yeah, it wasn't his best gig, but uh, he, he left as much out there as he could, I think. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'll never, I'll never forget it. Um, oh, I'll never forget it either. Thank you for uh for dragging me along man because that was like the perfect first gig for me anyways I, yeah. you know i thought it was a great gig such an amazing such an amazing memory all these years even to this day seven years on uh, yeah especially if he never tours again i really hope he does uh i i'm i'm, I'm thinking of him during which i'm sure is a very difficult time in his life and yeah all if it looks like he's gonna him and kim are gonna get divorced yeah, but I think a lot of people are hoping that he might make a divorce album. <laughs> oh shit, that could be cool. That could be so, very cool, actually. Yeah. So who knows? Fuck. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's in the works uh, potentially, and maybe he, maybe he will like to tour again. He doesn't. He's he's a billionaire. Like I don't think he has to tour at the moment, but you never know. He might find himself in a bit of debt after the divorce. And you might That's true. That is true. <laughs> oh, Kim's definitely got him signing a prem up for sure. Yeah. Kim, the lawyer. Oh yeah. No, yeah. for sure. Uh, what was so, gonna, how old is Mr. Yay actually? He's 42 now. 42. Oh yeah. He's still a yeah. spring chicken. Yeah. 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 Plenty but, of time. Uh, I do think we saw him. It wasn't his best gig, but I think we did see him at, at his, as his very yeah. best um, yeah and i'll certainly be there if he changes his mind and and resurrects i hope to see you there if, if that does happen oh again. for sure are you kidding me yeah well i'm certainly looking forward to going to gigs again because for I sure a lot and same as i don't know if you i don't know if you saw that uh recently they held a couple of tester events in liverpool oh it looked very normal and i was like Wow, you'd love some of that, gave, wouldn't you? It gave me a lot. It gave me a lot of hope. Um, so, and looks like there is light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, yeah, I mean, thank God, you know. Hmm. Thank God, we've uh, we've all been put through the ringer on this one. Obviously, some more than others, you know. But you know, mm-hmm. everybody mm-hmm. everybody can relate to it, which is which is kind of nice. It's a unifying thing. Yeah, absolutely. But um. Yeah, I think that's that's uh, that's everything um, that I have I have in my running order today. So uh, you're getting rid I've of really... me so soon. Sorry, you're getting rid of me already. Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, look, I've I've really really enjoyed talking to you today about art, about a lot of nostalgic things. Uh, no more so yeah. than than that great night in in Marley. 
Uh, Absolutely, yeah. With, oh, with, was good with the king, with Ye himself. Um, yeah. But before we go, uh, I don't know if there's anything else you want to plug. Uh, maybe give your give yourself a give yourself a plug, or if there's anything uh, that we should be looking out for in terms of your art. Yeah. Uh, in in the okay. next while, this will be going out in um, this will be going out around the end of May, I'd say, beginning of okay, June. Cool. So, yeah, that in mind. Well, I'm I'm hoping to have a bunch of new paintings done, and I'm also hoping to move more into a sculptural realm as well. Hmm. Uh, so, yeah, um, follow me on my Instagram at walk at artist Walker Shaw. Um, to keep you updated on, you know, my sort of descent into madness, pretty much. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, Good stuff. Thank you. Thank you for having me so much as well. No, um, it's been a, it's been a pleasure, man. And hopefully, likewise. Uh, hopefully, we can do this again sometime. Perfect. Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to. Great. Even just to chat. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Well, there you have it, folks. I hope you enjoyed that chat with Walker. Such a lovely guy. Really lucky to call him a friend. And I'll reiterate what he was saying. Check out his Instagram, at ArtistWalkerShaw, where he will be regularly keeping you up to date with his, with his art and the different projects that he's been working on. Since we spoke, he's also set up his own TikTok account under the same name, at ArtistWalkerShaw. And from what I've seen already, it's certainly worth checking out also. You might notice that I'm using slightly different music to close the show. I was speaking at length about the song Blood on the Leaves, which Kanye West performed at the end of that gig me and Walker went to. And how, even to this day, it still strikes a chord with me. That song, Strange Fruits, is such a monumental song, which I guess when he was sampling it, you would have known deep down that a new generation of people were going to hear it that would have never heard Strange Fruits before. Maybe that was the motivation behind it, in a way. Because the sample does not necessarily relate to the subject matter of the song. It's a juxtaposition. And if you want to find out more about albums by the likes of Kanye West, Beyonce, Kendrick Lamar, Lauren Hill, I'd really recommend listening to a podcast called Dissect. It's hosted by Cole Kushner, genius music analyst who breaks down these albums by these artists track by track. Something I've really been enjoying recently. And I highly recommend checking out Kanye West's performance of Blood on the Leaves on Later with Jules Holland. Just the man at his absolute peak. So before indulging into a snippet of said performance thank you for listening don't forget to follow me on instagram at sam white with three eyes and be sure to follow or subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode and i'll see you next week all being well cheers folks <laughs>